Greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning in to You Shall Receive Power. I'm Etienne McClintock, and with me in the studio is my co-host Colin Hone, International Director and Speaker for Holy Spirit Ministries and also the North New South Wales Conference Prayer Director. We are continuing our current series of programs featuring the book 50 Days Prayers and Devotionals to Prepare for the Latter Rain and Christ's Return, and we are on day 16 today as part of our programs. But just before we start, we just invite you to join us in prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, it's such a privilege today just to spend time in your word, to see the importance of prayer and receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but Father, also to have spirit-directed prayer. And as we discuss this important topic, this topic of having communion with you, of communication with you, Father, and you communing with us, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to anoint every listener, that you'll also be with Colin and myself as we open these words and have a discussion about this beautiful topic. And we just commit ourselves into your care at this time and also for the person listening today. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You shall receive powers based on a promise of Jesus to his disciples, which includes you and me. And we find that in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where it says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Colin, we've got a beautiful study ahead of us in the next uh, hour or so. So uh, what is the importance and how important is it that every person receives the Holy Spirit and then prays in the Spirit? It's great to be with you, Etienne. We're going to be talking about praying in the Spirit or Holy Spirit-directed prayer. So when we're praying, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can even direct us what we even should pray for. Well, isn't that wonderful? Because yeah. quite often, you know, I, I know we've got to pray, and we normally do the basics, you know, forgive me for my sins, and thank you, Lord, for all your blessings, and please bless us this night as we go to sleep, or bless me in this day as I wake up in the morning. But beyond that, what else do we have to pray for? So it's good to know that God will even provide the material and the information required that can be petitioned to God and presented to the Father. Yeah, he'll put it on our mind and our heart what we ought to pray for. Mm. And we're going to unpack the Bible and look at what the Bible says about praying in the Spirit or Holy Spirit-directed prayer. Wonderful. Because uh, as we've discussed in previous chapters of this devotional and in the Bible, that God works through our prayers. Yes. So therefore, God will put on our hearts what to pray for for his will to be done. So, mm. so we know that every Christian and I've been a Christian for 24 years. We're involved in a warfare against the enemy. And there's eternal consequences at stake, isn't there? That is right. We can so easily be distracted on the here and now and the temporary. And as someone said to me once, did you know that a 20-cent piece can even eclipse a Rolls Royce a block or two away? So quite <laughs> often we can be distracted by things that aren't even that important, you know, that are temporary. And the eternal things, the things that will last forever, are the ones that we get uh, we lose sight of at times. Yeah, So there's a, and there's eternal consequences at stake. Mm. There's going to be the saved and the lost at the end, isn't yes, there? that's right. Who's going to be in the kingdom of God? And so this battle is real. Mm. There is an evil being, right, who was an angel called Lucifer. Yes. Who became the devil or Satan. Yeah, and the word Satan means adversary. So adversary. he started opposing God and his kingdom and his principles. And he even talked, convinced a third of the angels in heaven his argument, and they've come over to his side. 
in this great controversy. Yeah, incredible. So, so this battle is real. And we know also, according to God's word in Revelation 12, that, that Satan and his evil angels were cast out of heaven. Mm. And the only place they're allowed to be or they're roaming on is planet Earth. Yes. So a third of the angels in heaven who have turned away from God and Satan are on this planet. Mm. So there is a real spiritual warfare going on. But the good news is there's also two-thirds of angels on God's side. Amen. And they're, and they're yeah. fighting the battles for us as well. So that's, this, good, that's good news. That is good news. <laughs> so this battle is as real as, as any ever been fought on this earth by nations. Now, the battle is between the kingdom of God mm. and the kingdom of darkness. Yes. This is what this battle is, this great controversy. Mm. And Paul describes this battle as a wrestling match. Okay. Which is up close and it's personal. You know, wrestling, it's up close and personal. Yes, it is. And he reads in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. If you could read that to us, that would be great. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, sometimes we think that we're wrestling against other human beings. Yeah, that's right. People what, who oppose us, people who, th- who say things against us, or you know, maybe slander us, or you know, they just... Difficult with us, yeah. But it's it's not the case, is it? And we can easily get distracted, and be, and it becomes a, a, a battle between us and them, mm. you know, with other people. But the real battle here, it says, is not against flesh and blood. That's right. It says it's against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weaknesses in high place, and mm. that is our real battle. Yeah. Now, on our own, we cannot fight that battle. No way. We can't fight this battle. And that's why Paul describes what's called the armor of God. We're to put on this armor of God to fight this battle. And he lets us know what this armor is. And so let's go into a little bit of detail what each piece of armor is. Okay. Paul concludes the description of the warfare in our defense. And we can go back to, I think it's in Ephesians. Yes, you, would you like me just to read there Let's what read the armor is? What's the armor that God wants us to put on so that we can, and eventually he finishes off with praying in the Spirit. Mm. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have done all to stand. So there's something that we need to do to stand, and we obviously take on the armor of God. Put the then, armor of God in, that enables us to stand. Now, if you don't put the armor on, What's going on? Well, you're not going to be able to stand. You're going to be you? defeated, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Because we we are we are wrestling against a foe that's stronger to us, mm. strong sorry, stronger than us. So therefore, we need the power and strength of Christ. Ephesians four thirteen says, "I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me." Yeah. So unless we are surrendered to Christ and we're fighting the battle in His strength, we are defeated. So let's look at what's the armor we need okay. to put on first. Verse fourteen of Ephesians six says, "Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth." So, so the first step is what. Gird our, our, our waist with truth. Our waist with truth. So what is truth? Truth, okay. Jesus says there in uh, John chapter 17, verse 17, Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. So what is truth? Is God's word. God's word, is truth. that's right. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. Mm. I am the truth. Mm. And Jesus even says, that, and in John it says, And the word became flesh. flesh. Yes, yes. Beautiful. So Jesus and the Word, it's mm. the same thing. The Word of God, Old and New Testament, testify of Christ. Jesus says, you think you have eternal life in these just by studying the mirror's words, but no, these testify of me, he said. So step one, we need... We need the truth. The Word of God. Yes, amen. 
And then it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So, so you notice this is like this illustration of a, a warrior mm. with, with, with ancient Danes when they would go into battle. And he's using a spiritual, uh, trying to link spiritual meanings towards this. So the first thing is we've got is the word of God yes. and Jesus who's the truth. The second thing is we need is what? The breastplate of righteousness. righteousness yes. Now we know the Bible says that says no one is righteous, not one. Mm-hmm. It says that you know, Isaiah says our righteousness is like filthy rags. That's right. So who is righteous that we're putting on? Who's this breastplate of righteousness? There's only that we... one righteous, and that's Christ. Jesus, yes. yes. So there's two ways, isn't there, that you can put this righteousness or have this righteousness. How can mm. we have this righteousness that that will protect us so we can go into battle? Mm. Well, you know, this says that text there in Jeremiah, I think it's Jeremiah chapter 17, where it says, this is by the name by which you will be known, the Lord, our, our righteousness. So Jesus Christ is our righteousness, and that is what we are to put on. We are to put on Christ. Christ's righteousness. Mm. So Christ lived a life, didn't he? A righteous, perfect, righteous perfect life. life, yes. And he wants to give that to us. Mm. And it's accounted and all credited to us, isn't it? That's, that's right, yeah. Well, look, there's a couple of texts in the Bible that actually refers to what righteousness is. If we understand the law in its right setting, we can actually pick up on that. Romans chapter 8 and verse 4, we can actually read the following. It says there that, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So the requirements of the law are actually righteous. It requires righteousness. And if we walk in the Spirit, we will fulfill those because of Jesus Christ. Now, there's also a psalm, Psalms 119, verse 172. And it says there, My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. So the law of God, which is the principles of love to God and love to our fellow man, those are the principles of righteousness. And in a book by Alan White, it is Mount of Blessing, page 18. Alan White says that love, agape love, is righteousness. Mm. So we are to put on that love, that righteousness that meets all the demands of the law, and we receive it through Christ alone. So how do we receive this righteousness? I think Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 17 tells us, it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I am not, this is Paul speaking about how this righteousness is attained. Mm. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus, yes, amen. what he's done for us and what he wants to do uh, in and through us. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God mm. until salvation to everyone that believes. Yeah, the dunamis of God, the power, dynamite power of God, yes. To the Jew first and also the Greek or the Gentile. Mm. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Amen. As is written, the just shall live by faith. Mm. So we receive this righteous by Christ by faith. By faith. And it's it's through the gospel which reveals the righteousness of God. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, isn't it? So spending time in the word reveals the righteousness of God and receive it by faith. And as you're saying, from faith to faith. So that's a growth in faith as well. It's like from glory Unto glory, you know that text. Sec, character, uh, character development. Chapter three, yeah. eighteen. Yeah. Because not only is Jesus Christ imputed, and this might be a theological term, but yeah. basically, you know, Christ has paid the penalty for your sins mm. when He died on that cross, and He died on that cross. He died for my sins and your sins, and every single human being that has ever lived. He paid the penalty for your sins on mm. that cross, mm. and so when you accept 
that by faith, yes. that gift by faith, God looks upon you and you repent and confess your sins. Mm. Jesus has taken them upon himself. And God looks at you as justified and righteous. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that good? Incredible free gift. The grace of God is incredible. But there's more. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it sounds like a you know like a one of those ads where you say, "But wait, there's more." Yeah. You know, you can get a set of knives and forks. But this is incredible gift. But he even says, "Not only have I accredited and counted you righteous because of Jesus' sake mm. and for what He's done for you, but He also says that He will impart His righteousness to us through the Holy Spirit." Mm, and we're going to look more into that as we go further along, uh, going through each chapter. Yes. How how we can Jesus will impart His righteousness, and basically what He's saying is, "I'll come and live in and through you." Yeah, He won't my, leave us orphans; He will come to us, and that's so that yeah, we can just, live a righteous life. Yeah, but it's His righteous life living in through us. So that's the next thing. What's the next step? Okay, so we're now in verse fifteen of Ephesians six. It says, "And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace." So there's a bit of preparation to go into this, isn't there? It says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, and the gospel is great news that God has saved us. He's redeemed us in Jesus Christ, and he gives us that righteousness. We can stand before God as if we've never sinned because of Christ. Wow, that's an incredible. So that's the imputation that you spoke about again, because imputation just means it's credited to your account. It's almost like a, a financial transaction. Yes. So if you had a, a big debt there, God has wiped out that debt, and you can stand before a holy God as if you have never sinned. But who paid the debt? Well, very expensive, very expensive debt, and Jesus was the only one that could pay he it. He paid the debt, and mm. it's, a, it's a gift. It's a gift, yes. It's a gift, just like... His imparted righteousness is a mm. gift as well. So this gospel shod the feet, what does that mean, Edian? So that actually means that where you go to share the gospel, that, you know, when it talks about putting something on your feet, you, you, you put something on your feet because you're planning on going somewhere on a journey. So yes. you've got to take the gospel elsewhere. But it does say this word peace, the gospel of peace. So peace between us and God. Mm. So the carnal mind is enmity. It's hostile towards God. The gospel, if received by faith, takes that enmity away between us and God. And then uh, we take that message of peace to the rest of the world as well. Is it not a message of reconciliation Amen. between us and God? Yes, so it is. So the gospel is a message of reconciliation mm. between us and God and each other. It, a yes, message of which when you have reconciliation between two parties, mm. what do you have? What's the outcome of it? Peace. Peace. You have peace. Amen. Before there was war. <laughs> there was enmity right. between us yeah. and God or even between each other. Mm. But when we have reconciliation, we have peace mm. among each other. And so we're to take this message, this message of reconciliation and the gospel of peace to the world. Yes, we are. So that's that's another part of the armor to go forward. So what's next, Eddie? And what's the next um Okay, so then we're in verse sixteen now. It says, Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So the wicked one is obviously talking about Satan and his evil angels. Yes, that's right. Yeah, they're, going to be, they're yeah. going to be throwing fiery darts at you. Mm. So how do we shield those darts? What does he give us? Faith. Faith. Mm. So what does that mean? What is, how, what's it the means that whenever meaning? we are tempted to doubt, we are to rely on the word of God and to expect God to do what he said he would do because Jesus Christ and God the Father is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our emotions change. Our circumstances may change, but God's love for us, God's salvation through Jesus, that does not change. And at times when it feels like we don't feel that God is loving us, 
We've got to remember the Bible says that God has not changed. We've got to grasp hold of God's promises in the Bible, the revelation of his beautiful character mm. of love. And we are to go through that difficult difficulty, even if we don't feel it, simply by faith, believing that God knows the end from the beginning and he will weigh every temptation and will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can endure. But with every temptation, he will make a way of escape. So, so Eddie, is, is faith believing in the promises of God? I believe there's a chapter in 11 called the, the faith chapter. In Hebrews 11, yes. And, and it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mm. And so, for example, we believe by faith that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things that we see are not made of things which do appear. So we believe that God created this earth. By speaking it into existence. Speaking it into existence. The power of the word of God, yes. So faith is believing in the promises of God Mm. and what God says he he did or what he says he would do that that he will do. Despite the evidences that might seem in your life, the impossibility, Mm, it's believing in the promises of God. Well, if we consider Eve, for example, you know, God had said if they eat from the tree, they will surely die. Yes. She goes and looks at the tree, sees it as good for fruit. So she's now doing a scientific experiment. She sees it's uh, it's uh, desirable to make one wise. Yep. And then she obviously eats the fruit. So wisdom and also appetite. Yeah. It looked desirable so to eat. Using yeah. her senses, she couldn't see anything wrong with the fruit. But God said, don't eat. Yes. So she went contrary by looking at something when the word of God says something else. So so same with us. Even if our senses were to say something else, mm. if we rely on the word of God, the fiery darts of the devil will not be able to harm us. That's what this text was saying. In because you'll have the peace and have faith in God. Yes, that's right. I love and that. And full trust and confidence in God. Amen. Yeah, and if you want to look at the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, have a read of that. It's some mm. beautiful um, illustrations of people having faith yes. in believing God's promises despite the evidences, and, the and that's three, faith. Yeah, the three things that remain that they say is the most important things in the Bible is faith, hope, and love. And, of course, mm. we know the greatest is love, but faith, hope, and love. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for. You know that God hopes for things in our lives? Mm. Christ has been the, the author of faith. Yes. Author and perfecter of faith. Author, beginning, author and finisher. Hmm. Yes. So what we see in Christ is what God hopes for for us. And if we receive it by faith, God can then fulfill because we actually agree to cooperate with, with, with God in the plan of salvation by surrendering to God and allowing him to work in and through us to do not only to will, but to do according to his good well, pleasure. Well, how many times did Jesus say, your faith has made you well. That's right. Go, your faith has yeah. healed you. Mm. You know, many times you read in 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 in, Jesus, in the Gospels that Jesus says your faith. Mm. You know, I haven't seen such faith in all of Israel. He said to the centurion, he says, "Go, your servant has been healed." At, you know, because yeah. of your faith. So we have all these illustrations we of do. faith. So what's the next thing? We need the faith. What's the next armor of okay. God? So after we've quenched the uh, the wicked, the darts of the wicked one, the next one in verse seventeen is to take the helmet of salvation. And then it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So we've got two things there, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And so what does that mean, the helmet of salvation? Right. Well, that goes over the, 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 the head, doesn't it? It protects the mind, the seat of power. Well, that's your brain is where your head is. Yeah. That's a yeah. vulnerable part, isn't that's it, of, right. your, of your body. If you're in going to war and you get, you know, get hit in the head, hmm. it's, um, it's pretty usually fatal, isn't that's it? That's right, yeah. Well, that was fatal for, uh, for the giant 
a Goliath, wasn't it? He actually pushed his helmet back, and that allowed for the stone to hit him in the forehead. Hit him in the forehead, and he and he fell down, and, that's and that, right. it was vulnerable. So, the, the, what's it mean? The salvation uh, on our head. Okay, so that's actually taking into your mind the, the concept that through Jesus Christ, God has redeemed and saved us. He's the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. I says, I think that's. Uh, First Timothy chapter four verse ten. So you're believing with your mind mm. that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. That's right. And He's redeemed us, mm. and that you have assurance of salvation. I I believe that actually refers to us settling into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, so we cannot be moved. Yes. So that, that which which you then have that faith. Yes. So that's wonderful news. So and the other thing he said was what the sword. Sword of the spirit. So now sword is a weapon, isn't it? That is yes. So a sword is a weapon. So what is the sword of the spirit? Is the word of God again? It is the word of God again. That, that's right. That's what what we go with the word of God. Mm. Now we want to come to our final thing, which is the which is what we're talking about tonight: the Holy Spirit directed prayer and praying the mm, Spirit. Mm. What is the last thing we, that Paul talks about? Okay, so now we're in verse 18 of Mm. Ephesians chapter 6. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So we're to pray in asking. Supplication is asking, but what in? In the what? In the Spirit. Okay. Mm. And what else does it say there? Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we're to persevere. Well, that was our lesson last week, wasn't it? Mm. That we are to persevere. Same as Elijah persevered and prayed seven times for it to rain, for the rain to come back. Wow. So we've got to persevere. So that was the final weapon was prayer. Mm. So 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 put on the armor of God. Yes. And then you can go forward. So we because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but by principalities against powers, against rules and darkness of this world. So note that Paul commands us to pray what? Always. Always. That's, that's right. the first thing you notice there. He says, pray always. So we must become prevailing prayer intercessory praying consistently. And persistently. Persistently, yes. So be consistent and persistent. So it's prevailing prayer. Then he adds, in the spirit. Here mm. we see that praying in the spirit is just as important as clothing oneself with the whole armor of God if we want to have victory over the enemy. Yes. So that's what we need to have. And so an important question then is, what does it mean to pray in the spirit? Well, I'm hoping we can unpack that a little bit because that's a very interesting statement. And I guess uh, some of those people listening out there uh, would like to know what the, what the answer is to that. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to give a brief definition and then we're going to unpack that more in our second half. But a brief definition would be that we pray in the Spirit when our prayers are prompted by the Holy Spirit. Okay. So we pray in the Spirit when the Holy Spirit, has the Holy Spirit ever prompted you to pray for something? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've I've actually prayed for people, and just as happened to me just in this last week, where someone was having some issues with their work, and I was praying for them. I didn't know what the circumstances were. I had actually been in touch with this person for a month, but I knew there were some issues going on, and it was ongoing. Mm. And I was praying for them on the the Monday, Tuesday, and the Wednesday. Wednesday, I bumped into someone who's a close associate with this person, and said that on Monday they had gone into arbitration. For their work Yes Now I had not known this No But God had put it in my mind To pray for this person You know All through the weekend And then also the first Three, first three or four days of the week So God knew God knew Knew yes. about it I didn't I just prayed for this person Because I I just felt impressed Their name came up in my so, mind While I was praying So the Holy Spirit Impressed you To mm. pray for this person But you didn't know even know What it was about 
I just had a general understanding of the issue. I didn't even know there was a meeting and how important the meeting was. I hadn't been in contact with this person. There you go. So, see, that's Holy Spirit-directed prayer or prompting by the Holy Spirit. He Mm. prompts us. He knows the situation, and he prompts us to pray. Sometimes you don't even know about the situation. I mean, I've got a a prayer list. Mm. It's a growing list, and the Holy Spirit uh, prompts me to pray for things, and I don't even know why. I'm praying for this person, for example. I don't even know why I'm praying. Mm. And then later on, it's revealed to me what's happened. And now I understand now why God asked me to pray for that, because he had a will. He wanted to do something. And he, so he prompted me to pray for that. Wow. To pray for that person yes. or a situation. And that happens all the time. Mm. And I believe that's what it means to be praying in the Spirit, to be prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray for someone or a specific situation. Uh, and, and when the Holy Spirit... Prompts you, I suggest and advise, you start praying for that. God wants to do something. Yes, I agree. God wants to do something. You know, I've even had it the other way around. Um, going back quite a few years ago, I was in a really dark place. I'd stop praying for myself. And at times, you know, when a little bit of glimpse of, of light would come into my dark soul, mm. I'd say, well, I hope someone's praying for me because I'm in such a dark place at the moment. You know, I didn't even enjoy life anymore at that time. Yeah. And I get a contact out of the blue from a cousin of mine in, in South Africa. Mm. And this person is a spiritual person that preach, prays all the time. And then she said, is everything all right for you? Because I've just had this impression on my mind and I've been praying for you for the last week or so. But they reached out to me. I didn't tell them what was going on in my life that I was mm. you know, on the point of almost being suicidal and really, really, really in a dark but space. But God knew, didn't he? God knew. And I knew, thank you, Lord. Although I wasn't praying for myself at the time, I said, thank you, Lord. At least someone else is praying for me. You've put it into someone else's heart. So God wanted to do something in your life. So he prompted someone else mm. to pray for you. I was blown away by that. That was one of the things that finally actually helped bring me back to the Lord. Did God know that? God knew that. But yeah. he had to. Pr- he still prompted someone else to pray for His will, he to be done in your life. Mm. Amen. Well, look, we've uh, we've started unpacking this a little bit more, and there's no there's more to go. So, dear listener, we're just going to take a quick break now, and when we come back, we'll start looking further at spirit directed prayer. Welcome to the minute that makes a difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference does prayer make? You might be astonished at the difference prayer makes. Dr. Herbert Benson is. Dr. Benson is a professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. In his book, Timeless Healing, he says, and I quote, I am astonished that my scientific studies have so conclusively shown that our bodies are nourished and healed by prayer and other exercises of faith, unquote. Everything that matters to you matters to God. So talk to him about everything that matters to you. Because when the minds of mere mortals connect with the mind of their creator, the effect on mind and body and soul is beyond estimate. Prayer makes a difference. Welcome back. You are with You Shall Receive Power, and you're here with Etienne McClintock and Colin Hone. And our topic today is praying in the Holy Spirit or Spirit-directed prayer. And just before the break, we were just discussing that and unpacking what that actually means, and we were giving some examples. But Colin, uh, let's take the, the topic a little bit further and see if we can elaborate on what we've said so far. All right, so we're talking about, you know, when the Holy Spirit or the definition of praying in the Spirit is when our prayers are prompted by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit puts on our mind and our hearts to pray 
for a person specifically mm. or a situation or something. He just put it on us to pray for that. God knows about it. And so, and we had a wonderful example about how the Lord brought you back through the prayers, uh, through God's prayers. Yes, that he put on someone else's heart. heart. Yes. And so that's an awesome uh, illustration. Mm. So we are to be directed by the Spirit as to when to pray and what to pray. Yes. I mean, sometimes I, I could be driving or doing something, and all of a sudden I get this problem. You need to pray mm. f- for something, and I just pray. And it's just that's the Holy Spirit prompting to pray. So we're to be directed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to guide us in every aspect of our prayer life. So when we are praying in the Spirit, our prayers will be empowered by the Spirit. Yes. Does that make sense? Because if the Spirit is asking you to pray something, it's God's will. Mm. So the Holy Spirit is actually impressing on you what to pray for. We're empowered by it. And our prayers will be effective and bring powerful results yes. when we're Spirit-filled, praying in the Spirit, believers. Our prayers will be affected to bring powerful results. Hence, the next question is, Eddie, how can our prayer lives be spirit-directed and empowered? Mm. So how a good question. can our prayer lives be spirit-directed and empowered? And the answer is found in another command that Paul gave us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. That's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Can you read that for us? Yeah, and it says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Wow. So here's a, a command, actually a command to be filled with the Spirit. And the only way we can pray in the Spirit is to be filled with the Spirit. That's right. The Greek verb form for filled here that Paul is using is a continuous action verb. Mm. So in the Greek, he's saying, basically, keep on praying for the Holy Spirit. Keep yes. on praying, continuously praying. And Paul said that we must keep on being filled with the Spirit every day. That's what he's saying. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. So, for example, in the morning, when you wake up, and when you start praying, by the way, God will wake you up early. He wakes me up early in the morning. He wakes me up early as to, well. To yeah. pray for the Spirit, to prepare for the day, to put on that armor, mm. to prepare for yourself for the battle of the day. And so the only way we can pray in the Spirit is to be filled with the Spirit, isn't it? That's right. And so we've got to pray for the Spirit every day. And Paul used the an- analogy of wine in contrast to the Spirit. Yes. Just as too much wine will do what? If you have too much wine, what's going to happen? Well, it's going to affect every part of your body, isn't it? Yeah, and and your mind as well. (laughs) That's right, yeah. It affects every part of your bodies and minds. So also the spirit is to affect us or affect us completely, Mm. even to the point of directing our prayer lives. So he's using the contrast of being, do not be drunk with wine because of excess. Hey, but be filled with the spirit. Yes, be filled with the Spirit. Beautiful. And this is God's will for us as well. You know, it just the, the previous verse there in Ephesians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Mm. So we have to understand it. And then the next part is actually say that God wants us to be filled with the Spirit and continuously to be filled. That's right. Mm. And the reason he wants us to be filled with the Spirit is in order so we can pray consistently in the Spirit. Mm. So the Holy Spirit can then prompt us to pray for God's will to be done. Yes. In certain areas uh, in our lives and other people's lives and, and situations. So the idea is, is so that we constantly can be under his influence. We constantly want to be. Now, look at Jesus' example. Yes. In his life. You know, Jesus is our example. Isn't he? Here's Absolutely. An ex- here's yes. an example. In, in all things, yes. And Jesus recognized the necessity of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he did. Mm. He received the Spirit's infilling at his water baptism. 
after he prayed for it in Luke chapter 3, verse 20 to 21. Okay. And in verse 21, it says there, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And verse 22, And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. So what did he say? He prayed. That's right. He did pray. And he the was baptized with the, and he prayed for the Holy Spirit. Mm. He prayed for the Holy Spirit. And, and so Christ also recognized the necessity of continuing to be filled with the Spirit every day. And I just love what um, the Spirit of Prophecy, or Ellen White, says in the book Christ's Object Lessons, page 139. Right. Christ's Object Lessons, page 139. It says that daily, talking about Jesus, mm. he received a fresh Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. In the early hours of the new day, the Lord awakened him from his slumbers. So Jesus got up early. Yes, he did. He got up early. But who woke him up? God woke him up. Says God woke him up. And the reason? His soul and his lips were anointed with grace that he might impart to others. Mm. So what was the purpose of being filled with the Spirit or Jesus being baptized daily with the Holy Spirit, it was so his lips and his soul were anointed with grace that he might impart to others. So why do we need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit daily? So our lips and our souls are anointed with grace, the grace that comes from heaven that we can impart to others. Mm, I agree. Now, there's a beautiful text. I think it's messianic in nature, but it also applies to us, and that's found in Isaiah, which is the gospel in the Old Testament. Yes. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4, where it says, And the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. So it ties in beautifully what you were just saying there in regards to, you know, given grace that he might impart it to others. God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. So what do you think Jesus was doing early in the morning? Well, definitely spending time in prayer and getting ready for the day ahead, but receiving a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit so he could receive and then give. Was he praying? Absolutely. He was praying for it. Praying and asking for it. So why? Because he knew he must be spirit-filled to have spirit-prompted, guided, and empowered prayers. This was the secret to his powerful ministry and the continual defeat of Satan's kingdom wherever Jesus encountered it. So if Jesus, that was Jesus' method, do we need to do the same thing? Of course. yeah, He's our example in all things. We need the Mm. Spirit's infilling. I mean, how many times have we promised God that we would have a more consistent prayer life? You know, we promise that. But without the Holy Spirit's infilling, those promises are like chains of sand. Mm. They will not hold strong. You know, Zechariah, he gives us the answer to achieving consistent prayer life that all Christians desire. So do you want to have a, a consistent prayer life? Let's see what Zechariah has to say to us in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. So God's going to actually pour out a spirit of prayer or grace and supplication. Mm. I mean, one of the prayers that I pray every day as Lord, as the prayer coordinator for our conference, yes. is I pray, Lord, pour out, and I pray this prayer, this promise. I pray, Lord, pray, pour out your spirit of grace and supplications upon our churches mm. so that we'll become praying churches. Yeah. Because if we become praying churches and filled with the Holy Spirit and spirit 
directed prayer churches, God's going to do amazing things. He will do amazing things. So I've been things. praying for that uh, for now for a number of years, and mm. I'm just starting to see the fruits of it, that more oh, churches Lord. are starting to pray together uh, in schools and the churches. And as they pray more, they'll be sp- filled with the Spirit, Yes. But they'll be prayer directed what to pray for. Mm. And it'll be through surrender that we are filled with the Spirit. You know, if self is present there, it can crowd out the Spirit, but through the Holy Spirit and its subduing, softening influence on our hearts, we make our, our hearts open to reception of the Spirit. That text there in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, where it says that God will pour out His Spirit on the house of David, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and give them a, the Spirit of supplication and also of grace. Mm. It also connects it back to Jesus, and it's actually. By Jesus being lifted up that our hearts are softened It says then they will look on me whom they pierced Yes they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son And grieve for him as one grieves for the for a firstborn So we'll have actually a deeper appreciation For what God has done for us in Christ In the incredible sacrifice, the incredible price that he paid for our sins Now if we go to chapter 13 of Zechariah verse, uh, verse 1 there It says in that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David And for the inhabitants of Jerusalem For sin and for uncleanness Wow. God will then take all the idols away uh, And the unclean the prophets and spirits And he will actually cleanse his church And it all comes through the working of the Holy Spirit and by receiving that spirit of supplication, because the Holy Spirit then tells us how to pray, what to pray, and how to confess. So there's a there's a promise of Jesus right there, what yeah, he would do. That's right. And uh, a spirit of grace and supplication. So so what happens when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We receive the spirit of supplication. Mm, beautiful. The Spirit's influence is like it's vital to have a consistent spirit-empowered prayer life. The Holy Spirit fills us so he, that's God, can be the Lord of our praying. He fills mm. with the Holy Spirit, so he can be the Lord of our praying. Yes, I, I love what Spurgeon said. Uh, he was a famous, famous evangelist and writer, Charles Spurgeon. He said these words, It is not true prayer to God except as the Spirit is total Lord of the praying. This is a fact well known to mighty men and women of God throughout the ages, you see. The apostles were not outstanding men of prayer until what? They were filled with the spirit at Pentecost. Mm. Did you notice after Pentecost, they spent 10 days in prayer. They'd watched Jesus' life for three and a half years. Yes. They saw that he was consistently in prayer. Mm. And then you see their lives in, in the Acts chapter uh, 7, six, for example, yeah, yeah. I think 6 or 7, where they said, hey, listen, there's a lot of activity happening in the church. And they appointed seven elders. And the reason they appointed seven elders was that so they could spend time in what? In the prayer. gospel and prayer That's right, yeah, Acts uh, chapter 6 and verse 4 But we mm. will give ourselves continually to prayer And to the ministry of the word That's what they what They knew that was the main thing Yes To preach the word of God and prayer So prayer and the preaching of the word go hand in hand That's where the power was mm. And so for this reading A clear relation is presented between the baptism of the Holy Spirit And our prayer lives It is the only way to pray in the Spirit If our prayer lives are weak Inconsistent and powerless Then the Spirit's infilling is minimal in our lives A well-known Christian leader and writer on prayer Probably one of my favorite writers on prayer was Andrew Murray He has books just on prayer Right Prayer, just Mm. amazing, amazing writer Andrew Murray And he wrote in this book, Ministry of Intercession On page 120, he said these words It is only as we give ourselves to the Spirit living and praying in us Do you hear that? 
living mm. and praying in us, that the glory of the prayer-hearing God and the ever-blessed and most effective mediation of the Son can be known by us in their power. Yeah, wow. Wow, it's mm. incredible, incredible. And again, he says uh, in the same book by stating that prayer is the index of the measure of the Spirit's work in us. How's that? Just amazing. Mm, that is amazing. Another guy you might have heard of is called Gordon Watt. In uh, He's written a book called Effective Fervent Prayer. His name's Gordon Watt. And on page 45, he writes these words. The extent of the abiding is the exact measure of the power in prayer. It is the spirit dwelling within us that prays. Just so much as there is of Christ's spirit in us, there is real prayer. So being baptized with the Holy Spirit links us with the spirit to pray in us and through us. It's amazing. Mm. So amazing. that's it, from grace to grace, from glory to glory. So the more we pray, the more we receive the Holy Spirit. And the more we receive the Holy Spirit, the better our prayer life is. And the more we'll pray. And the more we'll pray. <laughs> and the more we'll pray because we re- yeah. the Spirit will, we've realized the power of prayer. Yes. Because the Spirit's revealed that to you through the Word. Mm. Uh, so what happens is this is why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit because the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives powerful results to our prayers and service of God. Yes. You know, you look at Paul's ministry. He uh, testifies this. We read in Acts chapter 9, we read his conversation in verse 17. Hmm. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me, that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So God sent Ananias to Paul hmm. to receive his sight. After you know the road to Damascus, when he was blinded by the light, and, and he realized that he was persecuting God and persecuting Jesus, yes, and and now he was converted on the road to Damascus. But then Ananias comes to him to what? So he receive his sight, but also to what? To be filled Ooh, with the Holy Spirit. That's right. Yeah. And we and then writing to Corinthians, he described his ministry to them in these words. This is what how he described his ministry in First Corinthians chapter two, verse four to five. And my speech. And my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Right. So, you know, he was demonstrated in the spirit and power. And concerning the spirit's presence in our prayers, again, Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, he wrote this in his book, 12 Sermons on Prayer. He wrote 12 Sermons on Prayer. And page 57, he said, The Holy Spirit must be present all through it to help mm. infirmity and give life and power. So this yes. connection of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being spirit-filled and praying mm. and being spirit-directed prayer as well. Yes. But what's happened is God also talks about the last day church in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 and 22 where the last day church is the Laodicean church. We're in a lukewarm condition. And we've learned, and basically we've learned how to do the Lord's work without much of the Spirit's presence. Mm. We've learned to depend on our own wisdom instead of God's wisdom. We depend on our own methods and plans and strategies to advance God's work. We use our management and training skills to manage the daily operations of the church. We also look to psychological insights in order to deal with people rather than insights of the Spirit. It was once said, 
that if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn, most Christians would not know it. Wow. And the majority of the work of the church would go on as usual. Mm. You know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit changes all this in the Christian's life and in the work of the church. When we're at church and individuallys and as a church are baptized with the Holy Spirit and we have a spirit-directed prayer life from individuals and collectively as a church, yes. right, it'll change the Christian's life and the work of the church because it'll be then directed by God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So when we begin depending on the Holy Spirit and all that is done is carried out and empowered by the Spirit instead of man-made methods, then you're going to see incredible things. You know, Paul wrote the following concerning praying in the Spirit. And this is what this devotional is about today, is about praying in the Spirit. What does Paul say in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27? It says, Likewise the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Yeah, and my, in another translation says, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Yes. So there it is again. Mm. So what this is saying is that the Holy Spirit will pray or intercede through us by filling, us out, filling our minds with those things the Lord knows we need to pray for. Yes. Concerning ourselves and others and God's work He'll mm. intercede and say this is what you need to pray for yeah. This is what I want to do Please pray for this for my will to be done There's also another aspect of that that text That actually encouraged me a lot when I was in, in the dark spot I remember going to church one day And this is shortly after my cousin had actually contacted me And said that mm. she'd been praying for me If everything was right because she just had this concern for me That something was seriously wrong And I had said nothing to anybody about you know my mental state and uh, then I, this text came on board And the person was talking about how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us as well And I thought at least if, Even if I'm not praying and I'm not spirit-filled And I'm not praying a spirit-directed prayer at the moment Because I'm not praying at all At least the Holy Spirit is still interceding for me yeah. And still praying for me as well Through your cousin's prayer Through my cousin's prayer, yes And I, even, I think even in, in, in person that The Spirit is continuously working for That's our salvation right. You know? That's right mm. And I love what Ellen White says in The Desire of Ages Page 189 she says, by the Holy Spirit, ev- just notice this, by the Holy Spirit, every sincere prayer is indicted, which means made up or composed, Okay. and such prayer is acceptable to God. Mm. What a powerful statement on that prayer. That is a wonderful statement. What a, and, and referring to Paul's statement in Romans that we just spoke about in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, Ellen White also, she comments on this in Christ's Object Lessons, page 147. Listen to what she says. She says, We must not only pray in Christ's name, but by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This explains what it meant when it said that the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered, what you just mentioned. Yes. Such prayer, God delights to answer, she says. Mm. He delights to answer when the, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what God wants to do He yes. delights to answer that prayer So when the Holy Spirit draws us into prayer When he shows us some great need That must have in our prayers The reason he's prompting us Is because God wants to begin acting In meeting that particular need mm. Just like you're, you're, he wanted to meet a need in you That you're going through this dark yes. time And maybe out there that you're going Through a dark time 
in your life. Maybe there's things happening in your life that are out of control, and 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 the Holy Spirit will put it on other people's hearts to pray for you. Mm. And and I want to pray for you today as well. Absolutely, we're yes, going to we pray do. just at the end of this for you mm. that we. The Holy Spirit's prompting us now to even pray for you yeah, that's out there. Right. If you're going through dark times and and times of illness or sickness or whatever you're going through, relational problems or even problems in the church, mm. mental that, health, mental health, yeah. whatever oh, it is yeah. you're going through, we want to pray for you today mm. and intercede on your behalf and ask the Holy Spirit to mm. do a work in your life. And also when we pass on the contact details, by all means, if you would like to, us to pray for you in, in person, you can either do it anonymously or you can give us your name. We will add it to our prayer list. Every morning we get together as a group here at 3ABN and we pray for those people on our prayer list. Absolutely. So the Holy Spirit draws us into prayer when he knows some great need that must have in our prayers. And we read, um, and the reason he prompts us is because God wants to begin acting and meeting that particular need. We read of such an experience in the case of Jesus praying for Peter. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31 to 32, Jesus is praying for Peter. And the Lord said to Simon, Solomon, Behold, Satan has desired to have you, Mm. that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. So the Holy Spirit directed Jesus to pray for Peter because he knew that Satan wanted to sift and go have a go at Peter. Mm. And so Jesus was inspired by the Holy Spirit, directed by the Holy Spirit to pray uh, for you. And so the Holy Spirit convicted Christ to pray for Peter and even revealed what Satan's plan was concerning Peter. He even wow. revealed to it. Yeah, incredible. And once Christ knew this, what did he start doing? He started Pray praying. for him. He started yes. praying for Peter. So the Holy Spirit will do the same through us, I believe. He will bring to our minds someone for whom to pray for. He may or may not reveal why he wants to pray for them. He, sometimes he will reveal, but sometimes he won't. Yes. But the important thing, Eddie, is that we respond to the Spirit's prompting to pray. You see, the Holy Spirit is putting the burden of our hearts to pray for a particular individual because he knows that intercessory prayer is needed in his or her behalf. Mm. It might even involve divine protection from harm. Yes. You know, like Peter. Mm. Satan wanted to have a crack at him, and Satan might want to have a crack at some, wants to have a crack at all of us. And so God will put on hearts to pray to intervene, to protect that person. And look, listen to what. Um, praying the Spirit gives the Christian special access. Do you know it gives us access into the very presence of God? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Look, listen to what yeah. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 says. For through him, that's through Christ, we both have access by one Spirit into the Father, or unto the Father. We have access through Jesus by one Spirit and the Father. Mm. So the Spirit ushers in to the throne of room of God in order for us to receive the grace and help we need. And I believe the Holy Spirit's lordship is to be the dominating influence in the whole each Christian's life. Look at the Bible says in Galatians 5.26, we are to what? Walk in the Spirit. That's right. We are to live in the Spirit. Mm. Talks about in Ephesians chapter 16.18. We are to pray in the Spirit. That's right. The believer is to be totally and completely under the Spirit's influence, guidance, and power. Now, in the area of prayer, the Holy Spirit will influence every aspect of our prayer lives. First of all, he'll teach us how to pray. He'll impress us when to pray. He'll empower us in our prayers and impress us concerning specific prayer needs and increase our faith in prayer and ultimately convicting us that our prayers will be answered. And I just want to finish off with a couple of quotes because we're nearly out of time today. We've got so much we could have covered today. That's true. But Charles Finley wrote this, Vital Truth. 
in Sermons on Gospel Themes, page 56 to 57. Do you want to just read that part? Sure. If you would pray in faith, be sure to walk every day with God. If you do, he will tell you what to pray for. Be filled with his Spirit, and he will give you objects enough to pray for. He will give you as much of the spirit of prayer as you have strength of body to bear. Wow. He's going to give you as much as you need. Yeah. And so when we're filled with the Spirit, we are filled with the presence of Christ. 1 John 3.24, it says we're filled with the presence of Christ. Mm. We remain in Christ, and his word remains in us by the Holy Spirit. So we have the mind of Christ. Thus, when we pray in the Spirit, we pray according to the will of God. Yes. And his purposes will be put into effect in power through our prayers and we'll see amazing answers to those prayers. So praying the Spirit requires continual baptism of the Holy Spirit, which requires 100% submission to God's will in our lives. Mm. And so we want to just, if we've got time, I'd like to pray. Yes, please. Let's pray for those who are listening. Mm. We'd like to intercede uh, for you. Yes. Let's just bow our heads. Father in heaven, there are many people listening right now, Lord, who are Mm. dealing with uh, problems in their lives, relational problems, uh, health problems, could be work problems, could be even spiritual battles that are happening in their lives, Father in heaven. Mm. And so right now, Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus Christ, please intercede on their behalf. We pray for healing for those who need healing, peace for those who need peace, Mm. protection against the enemy, those who need protection. And we pray that the gospel will go to each person's heart and that you will lead them to be spirit-filled and prayer-directed believers in Jesus Christ. Mm. So, Lord, protect them and be with them and guide them. We ask them in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for that, Colin. Dear listener, if you would like more information or you would like to get a hold of these books that we're using, the 50 Days of Prayers and Devotionals to Prepare for the Latter Rain and Jesus Christ Soon Return by Pastor Dennis Smith, you're welcome to contact us here or you can go to your nearest Adventist book center. And also there's another book which is Steps to Personal Revival, Being Filled with the Holy Spirit by Helmut Horbel. You can get that at your local Adventist book center okay. for like $1 or $2 or you can contact 3ABN. And we can ship it to you for about the same price plus postage. Yes. That's right. So praise God for that. So you can contact us. You can ring us on 0249733456. You can email us at radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Or if you're a person that's on Facebook, you can like our 3ABN Australia radio Facebook page, and you can even send us a message there. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God will bless you. We will keep you in our prayers in a general uh, a general sense. But if you would like specific prayer, please contact us with those contact details I just shared with you. So thank you for joining us and you shall receive power. We look forward to catching up with you next time.
You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.